0: Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. People are hungry for the gospel. People are hungry for, you know, what I would label just the simplicity of spirit-led living, kingdom, true kingdom, new covenant, faith righteousness. You know, easy and light. My pastor always used to say, if it ain't easy and light, it ain't Jesus. <laughs> but it takes, it, man, it, it takes like a fundamental shift in how you see God to first let yourself even think that way, then to live out of that, especially when difficulties are happening, especially then. You know, and if, if, if we don't believe that God is good, if we don't believe that he has good plans for us, not to harm us, not to put heavy things on us, then we'll always question, we'll always be confused. And really the fruit of that is I'm not going to trust God, which is the very simple thing that we need to do. Trust God. Because when you trust God, good things happen. And so, you know, bad stuff happens. This this world is in the condition that it's in because God gave it to us. You know, i say it all the time. You want to see God's perfect will? Look in the garden and look in eternity. Everything else in between is shared dominion over this planet. God gave us dominion. And then he put himself in a Agreement To give this place to us To give us dominion But to be there and lead us and guide us And because we introduced sin into the world Mankind at its core The kind of being that it is Had to be changed and put back to a place Where it could cohabitate with God again And see we can't do that on our own So Jesus And we've been talking about that The incarnation the last couple of weeks of uh, what he did and who he is and what he became to us and, 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 and where we are now in this peace covenant with God. We have an eternal covenant of peace with God that will not pass away. He says the mountains will move, the hills will be removed, but my covenant of peace, my everlasting kindness will not be removed from you. He's not looking for a reason to separate himself from you. He's trying to convince you that he's as close as he ever can be and that he loves you and that he wants to lead you into good things. So we hear those things and then we look at the condition of the world. And then that's why we have 3,000 different denominations within Christianity or however many that there are because we start assigning answers for the difference between what we see in heaven and what we see Jesus teach and what we see on this planet. Especially when things happen like with, with the Critcos. Some of you know, some of you don't know, but uh, Vicki Critco. most of you know Vicki. Uh, we've been talking about it the past month and a half, almost two months. Her son has been, you know, struggling and, you know, he, he passed away this past week. And it's, it's like, man, you know, it's tough. I mean, that's, ama- that's an amazing family. You know, that's a family that we love. This is a kid that knows Jesus. He's 29 years old. He would have been 30 on the 30th this month. And so you look at that and you think, man, why? And I, I, really, I, I really don't, don't want to just try to, You know, craft some message out of what's happened to him, but but when these things happen, especially when they're close to home like this for us, you know, I I just want to address it because they're hurting right now. You know, we don't we don't know the plans just yet. They're meeting with the funeral home today, so we'll we'll let everybody know that. But um, you know, our, our prayers are for them. In fact, Father, we just lift up the Critcos to you right now. Thank God they know you. Father, we give you praise for their life. We honor them. We thank you so much for who they are, how they have followed you, for the work that they've done to glorify your name. And we lift them up to you as they're hurting right now, as they've lost a the son. We just speak peace into their family, into their hearts. Thank you that they know your peace. And, and we just... Yield to you to be led however we can be a comfort to their family, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for them. It's peace and comfort. So, so we're in this place of in this life. You know, I lost my father to cancer in June. <clears throat> Shouldn't That's just not the way it's supposed to be. You know, some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have people in your life right now that are struggling. And it just, this is just not the way it's supposed to be you know it's just not the way it's supposed to be because we've messed it up and i'm not going to try to answer all the why's but i do want to give some comfort because i know some of you still you know we still have this paradigm of god that he's testing us that he's putting just a certain, just so much on us to see where you are and to see how much you can handle to get you to that next place of holiness or, or whatever it is that we think that God does to us to get us somewhere. And I want you to know Jesus is your completeness. You are complete in him. There is not one thing that God needs you to go through to become something that he needs you to become. You have to know that. I'm telling you, what God needs you to be is a believer, because when you believe on him, he sanctifies you with the blood of Christ, he makes you righteous, and he inhabits you, and and Jesus presents you holy to the Father, and he stands before God, and he says, this one has come through me, this one is righteous, this one is one of ours, this one is holy, because they have entered into this union between you and me, Father, through what I've done for them. That's it. That's all God needs you to be and do. I'm serious. And religion has taught you that you then have to perform holiness. No, you are holy because you've been made holy by the Spirit of God. Absolutely, of course then God wants to lead us and guide us in this life and reflect him and live well and abstain from sin and 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 walk in everything that he has for us. But this idea of a God who somehow uses things in this world in the flesh to get you where he needs you to be, no, he's a spirit. It's complete. We're just waiting for time to run its course. So that we can even externally be what we already are spiritually. See, what's true in spirit is what's true. Is your spirit ever going to change once you've been made righteous? Is God going to change? Is that eternal dimension going to change? Is this dimension going to change? Is your body going to change? Then which one's more real? So when, you know, when things happen like this, we have to remember there's a greater reality. There is, a great, there is the truth. Right now we're experiencing a reality, but it's not the full truth. You know, There's a difference between truth and reality. Something can be very, very real for you. And it may be a form of the truth or a little bit of the truth, or it may not even be real may not even be true. Which realities are we living in? And, and, you know, I I don't know. I I just kind of want us to think and be comforted by this God that we actually have, who he really is. And I I do want to look at a couple of scriptures because these are two passages that confuse people and that religion uses to try to get people to do better in their flesh. I'm not saying sin is okay. You know that. But if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you know, those of you that have faced difficulties, you've got heaviness on you now, and you're wondering, why God? What what are you trying to teach me? What's going on here? What do I need to go through to get to where you need me to be? Have you ever asked those kinds of questions or heard those kinds of sermons and think, I don't know if I want to follow that God. I don't know if I trust that guy. Well, let's just look at just a couple of scriptures, and then I want to, you know, I've got, I've got several, actually, but these kind of got added this morning. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There has no temptation... I'm reading, reading out of the King James. I actually throw the NIV up, up, up there, and uh, it might read a little bit more. I just kind of grabbed these. I didn't pick which translation was best. So, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. So in other words, there's nothing that you're going through that makes you unique, because we like to do that. We like to disqualify ourselves for what God has for us, because we're special. It's like, okay, yeah, God will do that for you, but not me. You don't know what I've done. There's nothing that you're going through that somebody hadn't faced, and Jesus has already faced whatever you're facing. You know, that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, that While he was a human, he faced every temptation that we have, yet without sin. He conquered everything that you're facing as a human so that you, as a human, could have victory over it. Man, I love that. It's so powerful. So, and God is faithful. Say that. God is faithful. faithful. He will not let you be tempted. And some translations say allow. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Has that ever caused confusion for you? Okay, let's just kind of look at what it's saying. So, what this is used typically to say is what you're going through is a test to see how much you can bear and if you remain patient You'll get a crown of life for victory and you'll gain whatever it is that religion likes to promise for your performance. Does that make sense to you? So, And and so when we're going through something and people will pray this way. I've heard people pray this way. God, boy, you must really, this is a big one. I don't know if I can handle this one, but I know that you're not going to allow it to be more than I can handle. It's like as if it's from him. So, but look what his answer is. So he says, but when you are tempted, now remember that word tempted because we're going to follow up. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Now that sounds like he's doing the tempting and providing the way out at the same time, doesn't it? Have you ever thought that? You ever been taught where it's like that? Okay, he's not going to allow more than you can handle to come on you. And sometimes they just stop there. It's like some of you might even be surprised to see that he's going to provide a way out of it. <laughs> Don't raise your hand. But that's good news. But it gets better. So when you're tempted, he won't allow you to be tempted above that which you can bear, but will with the temptation make a way out. So just remember this. Whatever comes on you. And see, temptation is also other places translated as Tested, tried, tormented, scrutinized. Now, persecuted is something completely different. You may experience persecution. You may experience suffering because you have followed God in this life and this world sometimes does not like that and it will come at you and the world just has its own bombardment toward Christians. That's different. That's something you've taken a stand and you will feel the pressure of this world coming on you. But when it's Mixed with what God does to us and how he treats us, we have to be very, very clear on this. So I want you to walk out of here crystal clear on these two passages because I know this is one that creates confusion. So leave that up. Uh, you guys flip over to James chapter 1. And remember that word tempted. This will be good news to you if you believe that God is doing the testing and also providing the way out. Watch this. Go ahead and flip up on the screen there. Uh, James chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, now that word tried is the same as the word tested or, or, or tempted, but it's just a different form of it. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised them that love him. Now watch this. Remember, over there in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, it said, God won't allow you to be tempted above that which you're able. And so we translate that in our mind to say, God's tempting me just to the breaking point. But watch this. Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. If you run across a seeming contradiction in the Word, it will make itself make sense, but you have to let the Word interpret. And then you have to believe what the Word says. Because, see, we believe our experiences. We believe religion. We believe the emotional attachment that we have associated with passages like, well, you know, he, he's not going to put more on you than you can handle. That's not even what it says. Does it say he won't put more on you than you can handle? Because that insinuates he's the one putting it on you. So he won't allow you to be tempted above that which you're able. It's different. But then it's even more clear here. Let no man say when I'm tempted. Same word. Let no man say when I'm tempted. So he won't allow me to be tempted above that which I'm able. But this says, don't say that it's from God. You see that? I mean, I'm just reading the Bible here. Let no man say when, I'm te- when he's tempted, he's tempted of God. I, I, uh, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted when he was drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived... See, temptation has to do with trying and the, the, the opportunity for sin. In other words, something that's going on inside of you. In fact... Okay, that, I'm not going to go that far yet. But, so, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Do not err. Don't get this wrong. For those of you that are beloved, below 30, he's saying, don't get it twisted. My beloved brethren, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of Lights. With whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, don't get this wrong. The good stuff's from God, and that ain't gonna change. Yes. Is that good news? Yes. <clears throat> don't ever let somebody tell you or interpret that passage in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen as to say. God won't put more on you than you can handle because you know what he's putting on you? Righteousness. He's putting on you peace. He's putting on you power, love, a sound mind. Everything that Jesus is, is what God desires to put on you. Jesus already faced this world and conquered every limitation and temptation and defeated it. God doesn't need you to go through something that Jesus already went through on your behalf. I wish, I wish, the, I wish the church knew that. So when you have a situation, and, and, and thank God the crypto's know this, they're not questioning why God let this happen. You know, the, the questions that we have are, man, look, we need to get better at this healing thing. Because why is it that we pray for somebody sometimes and they are man boom instant, and then sometimes the ones we love this happens. I don't have the answer for that. All I know is he said lay hands on the sick, they'll recover, and let's just keep doing it. And I, and I know if Vicky were here, she'd say the same thing. We're going to continue to trust God no matter what. And and why is that true? that God is not putting things on you. It's because Jesus, like we talked about, has made peace between us and God. So there's more to this relationship that we have with God than just Jesus has opened the door so that we can go to heaven when we pass away. It's in this life, there has been a complete exchange of the kind of being that you are into the kind of being that he is which is an eternally righteous creature. That is what the cross is all about. There was a a great work. It's like all of time and humanity pivots on the cross. You know, time began, we introduced sin, and it just started going downhill. Jesus reached in, God reached into this realm. And the only legal way into this dimension is to be a human, so God had to become limited, and become a man. Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God and in himself made the exchange so that humankind could forever cohabitate with God in that holy place. That's righteousness. And it's not just credited to you as if one day you'll be righteous. You know, like God's got to wait till we pass away to be really nice to us. It just doesn't make sense. <clears throat> so then we have this promise, you know, in Isaiah, and we read it at Christmas. But in uh, Isaiah chapter seven, Isaiah seven fourteen. <clears throat> Therefore, the Lord Himself. I love it when He takes these things personally. He's a very personal God. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel, you know what it means? What does it mean? God with us. L means mighty one, God, and M or Im means with. And it's very interesting, the root word of Im means is imam, but it's a Hebrew word. And in Hebrew, it means to gather together or to join together. So there's more going on than just God's going to be with you. It's, there's a gathering together. There is a joining together in Emmanuel, in the, in the incarnation, the death, burial, and resurrection, the offering of righteousness, the receiving of righteousness, the cleansing, the, the being sealed with his spirit the whole exchange of the life and death and resurrection and ascension and offering of his own blood of Christ, this whole package is Emmanuel, God with us, God gathering us together, God joining us to him. It's not like it's just God's close and you can, you know, talk to him and he's going to be there. No, he is with you. He has joined himself to you. He's more than close. You look at what Jesus said when he started, when he went into his public ministry, that is repent, believe the gospel, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That phrase at hand means joined together. We have been joined together in this kingdom. And so it's all tied in the humanity of Jesus. It's all tied into him becoming like us so that we can become like him. I'm not saying you're going to be a god you know, there's weird teachings that can get into that. I'm just saying that the kind of being that he he had a messianic call. He was directly from God. He is an aspect of God, but the kind of being that he is an ascended man, but not the godhood aspect. We are. It says that First John four seventeen, I think that as he is, so are we in this world. I mean, we have trouble seeing ourselves that way. You know, because we look at our performance. No, look at his performance. Look at his righteousness to define who you are. That's the only hope you have of overcoming sin. If you sit there and you keep looking at your sin, you keep looking at your shortcomings, and you keep rehearsing those, and you keep taking on that guilt, you'll never overcome. But when you confess the truth of who you are, it's your only hope. Because it's already true of you. You're just pretending like it's not. So Hebrews 20 in verse 16, this is really the fulfillment. To me, this is the Christmas message right here. The incarnation of God becoming like us so that we could be with him all through him. Verse 16, Hebrews 20, 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws upon their heart and on their mind and I will write them. He then says, and their sins and their lawless deeds or their iniquities I will remember no more. God is not shoving your sin in your face and he's not rehearsing your sin in his own mind and heart. He's removed it from you and he's not remembering it. Jesus conquered it so that you could be free from it. Amen. Verse 18, now where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter in the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience or a sin consciousness as other translations say, and our bodies washed with pure water. There's physical effects, too. Some people say that the benefits of the new covenant are only spiritual, but no, your physical body is washed with this water, too. It is qualified to experience the benefits of this new covenant as well. But we enter in through the veil, and I love this picture because you think about the old covenant, sacrificial Levitical priesthood, where they could only enter in beyond the veil. You know, there was the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies, and the priest, the high priest, would go in once a year with blood and sprinkle it. The Spirit of God would come down, and it, this is an interesting fact because we think that the, that the priest went into the presence of God, and he didn't. He, the Spirit of God would come down into that room and then lift And there would be a resonant cloud left. And then the priest would go in and offer the sacrifice and then go out and then God would come back down and receive that sacrifice. They didn't have direct contact with the presence of God back then. That's interesting, isn't it? If you read uh, Exodus and Leviticus, it goes through that and it, it makes it pretty clear that that's what he does. He'll come down and receive the offering after the priest has gone out because mankind couldn't come in contact with the Spirit of God which now lives in you. Because the veil that you would have to go through to go into the presence of God is Jesus. His body, his flesh is what you go through and now you directly have contact with the spirit of the living God. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I don't, we just don't get it. oh man may we live with that reality may we live aware of the union that we have with God because of Jesus that, that's my prayer for you that's my prayer for the world that we and me that we learn of him that we that we know his love for us that we are convinced of his love for us so that we can convince others of his love for them because love will never fail we face tragedy. We face difficulty. We face death. And it's not right. And it will be changed, and it will never have power over us as, a, as humans, as humanity, again. And won't that be great? That's going to be so good. And we're connected to that now. Father, we thank you. We don't take lightly what you've done for us, Jesus. We want to learn of you. We are committed to learning of you, Jesus. Learning what you've done for us. To stay focused on this exchange. To keep you first in our lives. And to represent your goodness and your mercy And this covenant that you are inviting people into in this world. We yield our hearts to you to be love in action. We yield our hearts to you to be completely led by you, Holy Spirit. And it's not difficult and it's not hard. And on the way, we know you are not tempting and testing us and putting heavy things on us, but you are in fact helping us when those things come. You're the God of comfort, you're the God of peace. You're the God of joy because you love us and we are your children and we honor you for that. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen.